0: listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Thank y'all. And I, you know, i I, it's funny to, if you would ask me 20 years ago what I'd be doing, I was an introvert who hates public speaking uh, and I don't like studying at all. Uh, Never did, but God would do that. So I'm grateful for my, my wife who encouraged me to go to seminary back in the day when I didn't want to and my family support because it's not easy being a pastor's family, uh, as you know, um, because you guys think that I'm sinless and I promise you I'm not. Uh, if I've tried to remind you of that all the time so that you never think that, that I have arrived and, uh, and that, that's, I think that's key for all of us that there's only one man we worship and his name is Jesus uh, and, and there's only one man who is essential to the church and that's the the uh, the groom, Jesus of Nazareth, the God-man. And so none of us are essential, all important, but non-essential and he is the one that we're here to exalt and honor. So uh, we're grateful for y'all and if God allows another 15 years, praise be to his name. I do wanna remind us, I, I was reading this this morning in preparation just to get my heart ready for preaching. Uh, that Jesus speaks to seven churches in the book of Revelation, and he, he commends some, and he and rebukes some, and, and one of the churches he speaks to is the church of Ephesus, who, if you know anything about the church of Ephesus, it was a pretty, pretty good church. The Apostle Paul was the pastor at one time. Timothy, his protege, was the pastor at one time. John, seemingly the pastor, uh, the Apostle John, and, and Jesus warns them, and I think this is good for us after 15 years, uh, just to remind uh, us he, uh, he commends them. He says, I know you're patiently enduring. I know you're bearing up for my name's sake. Uh, I know that you, uh, don't, you don't bear with evil. And so they have a good doctrine and they're, they're, they're against false teaching. But he says this to them. Uh, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore where you have fallen and repent and do the works you did at first. Uh, if not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. And I think it's a great reminder for us that, yeah, we have truth, and we have doctrine, and we have preaching, but if we forget what, what makes us the church of Jesus, our love for him and our love for each other, because the church of Ephesus was commended, if you read Paul's letter, for how much they loved each other. Um, and, and they had seemingly lost that by the time this was written uh, in the 90, 90 AD. We don't wanna lose that. In 15 years, we still wanna be a loving place that's welcoming, uh, we're gonna preach truth, but we don't wanna lose that peace, because if we do, Jesus says, hey, I don't care how great your doctrine is. I'm gonna take that lampstand away because there's another church over here that's gonna love well. And so we just wanna remember that uh, as we continue on and persevere in, in, uh, in our walks with Jesus. So let me pray one more time real quick. And I'll preach, I promise, the shortest sermon you'll ever hear me preach, maybe. Uh, so let me pray. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being on this stage. I do not take it for granted and I certainly don't deserve it. But I ask that you would still Through a broken vessel, speak to your people the words that you've given us so that we may know you, uh, that we may be like you, that we may follow you, uh, that we may be fed by you. So feed our souls with the scripture, uh, speak to your people now so that they may uh, know you and know your heart and uh, and shape us to be more like your son, Father. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew 7 quickly. We just got one verse today, just one verse um, it's a famous verse, one that many of you have heard before. We call it the golden rule. I don't know why we call it the golden rule. Jesus didn't say, this beeth the goldeneth rule, but, but that's what we called it. Um, and it's a summary. If, if you have boys like I do, you understand the concept of summary. So I pick my boys up from school, and I'm like, how was your day? And what did they say? Good. And so I try, you know, because my wife says, you need, to, you need to press more. So I'm like, well, tell me about it. And their response... It was good. And I'm like, all right, that's all, you know? Boys use 7,000 words a day. Women supposedly use 20,000. So I just assume my boys are just saving their words for later. Uh, But there's something about a summary or a, you know, a Cliff's Notes version that, that is helpful, I think, sometimes, right? It's good, my day was good. And what Jesus is gonna do for us in the golden rule is he's gonna summarize not only what he's talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, especially when it, in relation to one another. He's going to take the, the essence, the core of what the law, the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, what the message that he's speaking to them, all these 619 laws that they were supposed to follow and, and the 10 commandments and what they're about. He's gonna boil it down into one kind of basic, simple principle. 15, 14 words in the original, 15 in our English. Because like 16, 619 laws, that can be overwhelming. So what he does is he summarizes it. How was your day? It was good. Here's the summary of what I'm asking of you, my people. And it's not just what he's asking of his people in the Old Testament, it's what he's asking of his people in the New Testament. You could summarize the New Testament commands, all the one and others, with this one, what we call golden rule. It's very simple. Simple to understand, simple to grasp, but it doesn't mean it's easy. So let me read it. Many of you know it, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. It says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Why? For this is the law and the prophets. So he starts off with that word, so. It's the word we translate, therefore, so. Uh, and whenever we see a therefore, we ask, what is therefore? And he's linking back to what he has said. He forms what we call an inclusio, right? He mentions the law and the prophets. The last time he mentioned the law and prophets was chapter 5, verse 17, when he says, Don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so he says, I fulfill the law. Here's how you, as my followers, can fulfill what the whole law is about. All the codes, all the the books, Hosea and the message of Obadiah and what Isaiah is telling the people and all these things. Here's how you, let me boil it down for you. Let me give you, how was your day? Good. Let me give you a simplistic way in which you can fulfill what I'm calling you to do. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do to them. Whatever you wish others would do to you. Think about that right there. Let's just stop right there. Have you ever thought about how would I like to be treated? How would I like to be spoken of? How, I wish my boss would do X. I wish my spouse would speak to me like this. I wish my kids would do this. Have you ever thought about that? You have, because Jesus assumes you have. That's why he says it. He knows that you are an expert on one thing. All of us are an expert on one thing, on you and what you like, and what you want. So fill in the blank for this statement. I wish people would treat me with blank. I wish people would speak to me, fill in the blank. I wish people would view me, fill in the blank. You got an answer? You got one, maybe two? word that came to mind, a thought, uh, you know, just, just anything? I, I, I'm pretty sure that none of you said, I wish people would cuss me out. I wish people would use me and use me and not be thankful to me. Man, I really love it when my spouse brings up all the things that I've made mistakes in. Man, that just fills my soul. Love it. I love it when everyone leaves me to clean the kitchen by myself and they go in the other room. I just love it when people talk about me behind my back. They make fun of me. They don't include me. They're clicky. They make me feel isolated. That fills my soul. Love it. I love it when people have short tempers with me. I love it when they are angry with me. It's awesome. Anybody put that down? If you, if you do, you can come, we'll pray for you after church. No, because that's not what we want, right? If, if you're honest, you probably said, I wish people would be patient with me or appreciate me, or help me, or pray for me, or give me a hug, or, or not leave me alone. You, you filled in a blank with something that you want, right? And that's, that's the point. Jesus is not against that. He wants you to think about that, right? He wants you to know that. And then he says, okay, whatever you put in the blank there, whatever you thought, how you want people to treat you, how you want people to speak, you, he says, now take that and go do it to others. Very simple, Right? Everybody can do this. This is an easy application, easy to understand, very simple. He says, "Go do that." And here's why: There's keywords for for this is right now. It's present tense. This is the law and the prophets. This is what it's about. The Ten Commandments, all those codes, all the messages to Hosea and Obadiah and Ezra. This is what I'm talking. This is what I'm asking of my people. This is the ethic of the follower of Jesus. Go and do the thing that you thought about. Go do it, right? Go do it. And most people in the world would say, that's a good thing, isn't it? Anyone gonna be against that? In fact, this kind of concept is found in almost all the religions and the philosophies of the world, outside even of Christendom. In fact, let me quote a few. Confucius, fifth century BC says this, what you don't want done to yourself, don't do to others. Buddhism, a book, sixth century BC, says, whatever is disagreeable to yourself, don't do it. The rabbi Hillel, who lived in the the day of Jesus, he was asked a question. He was was asked by a Roman, he said, I will convert to Judaism if you can summarize the entire law while standing on your foot. And so the rabbi stands on his foot and said, That's easy. This is the whole law. What is hateful to you, don't do to anyone else. That's the law. The rest is commentary, right? The apocrypha, which is not part of the scriptures, but there's a story in the apocrypha where the hero says to his son, "Never do anything to anyone else that you would not want done to you." So this idea is nothing new, but here's where what Jesus says is completely unique to all these other things. All the other ones, Confucius, the Buddhism, the apocrypha, Rabbi Hillel, they are negative in nature and they're passive in nature. They're negative in that, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do. And they're passive. Don't do what others, you don't want them to do to you. So if you don't want people to be hateful to you, then don't be hateful. You don't want people to rob from you, then don't rob. You don't want people to be unkind from you, then don't be unkind. It's about you. It's ultimately a self-serving thing. And it's negative and it's passive, right? Can you see that? And so it's all about what you want people to do to you, so you better not. Here's the problem with that. Everybody can do that. I mean, anybody can go out and just be a not be a busybody, mind your own business, pay your taxes, keep the speed limit, obey the law, show up to work on time. Anybody can just do that and stay out of everyone's way and, and obey this if that's the standard. But see, Jesus flips it. It's not negative and passive, right? It's positive and proactive. That is radical. Because it's not, here's the key difference. This is nothing to do with reciprocation. This is not, if I'm kind to them, then they will be kind to me. That may very well be, and it may very well not. And Jesus says, I'm not telling you to do this so that people will be nice to you. I'm just telling you to do it. Go do what you want people to do to you. It's very simple. It's very simple to understand. It's very simple to grasp. It is not easy to do right? Everyone loves the golden rule until you actually have to do it. Until you really understand that he's not saying, be kind to your spouse so that they're kind back to you. Respect your parents so they're respectful to you. Be a good worker for your boss so your boss pays you. He's not saying that. He said, you be a good employee, period. End of story. Have a nice day. You be respectful to your spouse. You be loving your spouse. Well, what if they don't do it? I'm not tell, I'm talking about that. You go do it. You go do it. You be honest. Well, what if they lie to me? It doesn't matter. You go be honest, right? It's, it's not about reciprocation. It's about you doing to others what you want done to you, period. You treat others when they mess up how you want to be treated. Yeah, but they let me, when I, when I forgot that and I messed up on the spreadsheet and I did that, they let me have it. Good, that doesn't mean you go do it. Did Jeff make you feel good? No. Right? When, when, when I, my spouse always brings up what I did, so I'm gonna bring up what they did. Really, does that make you feel good when they bring up what you did? It's not about what they do. He says, what do you want done to you? Go do it, right? Go do it. And the implications for us, I mean, they're endless. Maybe this week you should sit down and write the top five things down in your journal or on a piece of paper that you would really love it if someone did to you, and then you can go and do those five things. That would be application for the sermon, right? I mean, you want your employees to work hard? Awesome, you better go work hard, not because they might respond, because that's what you want, so you better go do it. You don't want your spouse to show you love and affection? Great, go show love and affection. Well, what if they don't return it? It doesn't matter, you wanted it, go do it, right? You want your future spouse, singles, you want your future spouse walking in purity right now? I'm pretty sure you do. You don't want your future wife, your future uh, husband to be the guy that's shacking up with every girl he can right now, or he's Snapchatting every, every whatever, he's taking pictures. You don't want that for your future husband. So that means what you're going to do right now is you're going to walk in purity, regardless of what they're doing, right? Because that's what you want, right? You want, you want someone to help, help you clean up after dinner, right? Go help clean up over there because that's what you want. Whether or not they come in and help you, it doesn't matter. The, the point is this, what do you want people to do to you? Now you go do it. You don't want people bringing up your failures and your flaws, pointing out every time you mess up, great, then don't you go do it. And they may still do it to you, but that doesn't mean you do it. The the implications are endless. And it is very challenging if you think about what the implications are, right? But imagine this. Imagine if the church would actually do this. I mean, for real, real. Not be like, yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. Imagine if we really did what Jesus said how different people would view Christians, how different our relationships would be. Because some people will not reciprocate, but you know what? Sometimes they will. And that might radically change your relationship with your in-laws. That might radically change your work environment. It might drastically change your marriage, right? It might. It may not, but it may. Imagine if we would do it. And here's, here's why I think this is significant. It's significant because Jesus speaks it and it's in the Word. But here, you, if you ask me what, you know, in 15 years we talk about, like we talk about wins all day long. What is the biggest kind of like frustration or uh, like question mark, like why, you know, in, in the last 15 years? Here's the struggle of a preacher who's a sinner and broken, uh, just like everyone else. But here's what dumbfounds me sometimes is that people will come you know, well, 1,300, 1,400 people on a Sunday coming here. And you'll hear what God has said. And you will walk out the door and be like, yeah, that was good. I mean, I ain't gonna do nothing about it, but that was good. I agree. I agree, kinda. Or I disagree. I don't really like what that says. And we'll just go off and do what we want. And I think that some of us view Jesus' words as a suggestion maybe, sometimes, of like, hey, if you really think about it or you want to, you might want to do this. Instead of, this is God, not me. This is God's word for his people. And he's not asking if you agree with it or not. He's commanding you to do it. And when he says, I want you to go treat your spouse the way you want to be treated, you say, Yes, sir. That's what I'm gonna do. When he says, I want you, teenager, to treat your parents, your teacher, the way that, that that person that's isolated in your class that you always see alone, that you've been making fun of. No, I want you to treat that person the way you don't wanna be treated. It's okay. Because you're God and I'm not. And I think as a church, we need to really que- question whether or not we, It's easy to come into a room and say, yeah, 15 years and affirm. And it's another thing to say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And that's what we want to see, right? And if you're like, well, you don't know what that person's done to me. I mean, I don't know if I can do that. I hear you. But but, But just remember remember this. this. You will never be be as disappointed disappointed and hurt as Jesus was by his church. Never. And yet he shows up every Sunday for us. He's always here, and he never, never will leave us or forsake us. He says, now, I'm calling you to do it. And if your response is, I just don't know if I can do that, that's actually a good response because you're right, you cannot do that. Not only could you not keep 619 rules, you can't even keep it when it's summed down into one, which is the point, remember, of the law that you would see I fall short and I need someone else who can keep it. So now I look to the one who fulfilled the law, Jesus of Nazareth, who kept the law perfectly. It was all about him and he shows us the intent. And here's the beauty of what now his people, as as we follow him, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been born again, then he has put his spirit inside of you. He has given you a new heart. Not a perfect one, but a new heart. So that now you do have the ability to keep his word. Not perfectly, but progressively. Right? You're gonna fail, you're gonna fall. He knows this. But if you have the spirit of Christ, that means I can do this for my spouse. I can do this for my coworkers. I can do this for my neighbor. Why? Because God's spirit dwells in you. So if you're like, I can't do that, that's a great place to start because blessed are the poor in spirit. But when you start asking and seeking and knocking, as Jesus said last week, guess what's gonna happen? It's gonna be open to you. You seek, you're gonna find, right? So you, say, start, you start praying. I mean, seriously asking God, God, because you know who the one person is that you don't wanna do this to. I know you do. We all have that person. Maybe it's two people, maybe it's 20 people. But if you say, God, I want to I obey in this command for this person, I can tell you right now, he's gonna show you ways and then it's gonna be up to you to say whether you're gonna obey and trust the spirit or not. And that would be a simple way to start this, this, this obeying this command this week. I mean, if you look at it overwhelming from the perspective, oh, there's all these people. And, no, just let's, let's start with your spouse if you're married. Let's start with your roommate or your parents or your cohort. Who do you rub shoulders with the most and start asking God, God, how can I Treat that person, this person, this group of people the way I want to be treated. It may be a different political party. It may be someone at your office that drives you bunkers. I don't know, but you know, right? You know, and if you ask God, God, show me how I can obey this command for this person. I'm telling you, he's going to show it. And they may reciprocate and they may never but here's what you can be sure of, that you have a father who is in heaven who is looking down on you and he will see you and he will say, well done, that's my daughter, that's my son. And one day when you see him face to face, when everything's exposed, you'll hear, well done, my faithful servant. Right? Enter into the joy of your master. See, that's what we're looking for. That's what this is all about. This is what he's been talking about the whole time. We're gonna see it in the next couple of weeks. Right? That's what we're looking for. That's a progressive treating people the way we want to be treated. So I think it's be good for us this week for maybe you to think through, how do I want to be treated? And then start doing it one at a time. See, that's growth. That's progressive growth. That's sanctification. That's more and more looking like Jesus. And that's what we've been about from the beginning. Not perfection, there's only one who's perfect, but growing into the image of our Lord Jesus. That's what we want, right? That's what we want. So let me pray. And we'll sing one song, and we'll be dismissed. Uh, and just pray, look, pray for that one person that you know that it's, this is challenging. Pray for opportunities to be obedient to the Spirit of God in this, to follow his word. Y'all, we do not wanna be hearers of the word and not doers. Hearers delude themselves, right? That's what James says. So let's be doers of the word. Father, help us to follow you in this simplistic but challenging command. Uh, We all know how we wanna be treated. You assume that, we know. You say that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves because we do love ourselves. And so help us to love our neighbor like we love ourselves and and practically do what that looks like. Uh, It's not easy. In some places, it's painful, but yet you've given us your spirit. You've promised you'll never leave us or forsake us, that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so we trust you. And we'll trust that you're gonna bring fruit from it. Regardless of people, love us back or kind back. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You guys can stand.